0: stand together. Have you come to lift the Lord up? Have you come to magnify him? Well, let's open up with a praise offering to the Lord. Lord, we lift you. We magnify you. Yeah, let's put our hands together. Give him praise this morning. He is worthy. Lord, we lift you up in this place. We magnify you. We glorify you, O God. Hallelujah. Let's sing to him today.
1: child who bears your name and now we're there
0: all that God has given me, this is how I worship my
1: King.
0: That bridge was reading in Psalms this week. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that can clap its hands praise the Lord. Let everything that exists praise the Lord. If the rocks, I'm sorry, if we don't praise the Lord, or the rocks will. I don't want the rocks to take my place. I don't want something that's dead to take something that should be alive to take my place. So whatever situation you're in, whoever you're standing by, don't let that control how you bless God today. I know you're not going to praise Him like we do. You're not going to express yourself like I do or we do. But the Bible says clap your hands, all ye people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. If you're living in defeat now, now is the time to shout in victory. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. we we'll give him praise. Your King is worthy. We bless your holy name for there is not like you. You're mighty, God. You are awesome in all of you do. And we bless you and praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, we bless your holy name, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's sing that praise together. With all my heart, all my strength, with all that God has given me. This is how I worship my king. With all my heart, all my
1: strength, with all that. I worship my king.
0: Bless your holy name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your promises, Lord. Hallelujah. I am holding on to faith Because I know you'll make a way and i don't always understand and i don't always get to see but i will believe it yes i will believe it you make mountains move you make giants fall you use songs
1: of praise to shape and walls and i will speak to my fear will preach to find that you were faithful then you'll be faithful now thank you Lord hallelujah hallelujah
0: we are standing on your word yes Lord Calling heaven down to earth, and you will fight our enemies, and this will end in victory. And we will believe it. Oh, we will believe
1: it. You make my to my feet I will preach to my God, you are there.
2: i
3: Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in God's house today, folks? Amen. Praise the Lord. so good to see everybody here worshiping today at Gabriel Church of God. As we get into the um, Word this morning, before we get into the Word, I want to go over just a few announcements really quick. A hundred days of glory is still going on. You've got till April the 10th on that. And so, just a little while longer to go, folks. You're going to make it. I've been craving that one thing so badly. Is anybody else that's doing it, I mean, you just want that one thing, right? It's kind of like, I understand more now what Adam and Eve felt like in the garden when God said you can have everything but that one thing, you know? And so it's kind of where it's been. But we only got to April 10th, so hang in there. It's going to be a reward because God's going to bless us for our sacrifice. Also, we have a church meeting uh, tonight at 6 p.m. What's that rumbling? At 6 p.m., We have a meeting. The proposal is in the foyer. Uh, They will be putting it out uh, in the foyer uh, as I'm preaching here today. So as you're on your way out, uh, it's for members and financial supporters to review before tonight. So look over it. Uh, It gives you an idea of what we're going to be talking about. Matter of fact, we're going to base everything off of those seven pages. And so if you have any questions, just go ahead and go on the back and you write those questions out. And we'll be able to answer uh, any of those tonight. Also, if interested in softball, meeting in the choir room immediately following service, just go straight through these doors. It's the door that you run directly into. You cannot miss it. So, if you are a softball player, we are in need of your help. If you're a man, this, this is men's softball. We are in need of your help. We're going for a championship. All right. Today I do want to welcome some new members, and I don't even know that Rita's here, but Byron, would you stand really quick, and also for Beth, would you stand? Uh, we have uh, transferred, and also Byron's wife Rita is going to be doing this, but they have transferred their membership into the church, didn't want me to make too big of a deal about it today, but I did at least want to recognize you guys and give you a hand clap and welcome you to Gapfield Church of God, alright? God bless you guys. Thank you so much for becoming a part of the body of Christ here. At Gap Hill. Also for junior talent, practice next Sunday. Lunch will be provided in the gym. We'll meet until 2.30. Also after service, Dollywood raffle tickets for youth fundraisers. They'll be standing in the back after service. So if you'd like one, uh, go ahead and get you one. The drawing's going to be March 13th, that Sunday for that. Also a reminder of the Home for Children fundraiser. There's two more Sundays to give today and next week. You can mark it as Harvest Festival. And thank you for supporting this. And then the church will take care of, of getting the stuff and getting it shipped to them. We're doing spaghetti sauce. Um, this, this spaghetti with meat sauce, I think, is what it's called. What is it called? Something like that. I don't know. All I know is it's called ragu. You know what that is. So she's going to be ordering that. We're going to send it to the home for children to help them feed our, our kids there. So that's a great support uh, there. Uh, ladies of Gap Hill, thank you so much for the delicious lunch uh, provided for us. It was much appreciated. We love you all. This is from the George Newton Families continue to pray as, um, as that family lost a precious soul, but we know where he is today. And um, so let's pray for Keith and them also through this. And uh, there's several other things we need to be in prayer for. For Miss um, Bonnie Moody, uh, spoke with her this week. She had to have some treatment, so let's be in prayer that God will give her the strength that she needs. It really is hard on her the week of treatment. So let's be in prayer for that. Uh, I also have some um, hats next week. If you'll come. Bring $20 with you. I got some Gap Hill Church hats. If you want to buy one, $20, I'll have them out there for you next week. How does that sound? Me and Branson have already been sporting ours all around town. I've already had people tell me how nice they look. So uh, bring you a $20 bill and I'll have them out here next Sunday. And you can grab you one, alright? Alright, let's get right into the word this morning. Building on the ashes of your life. Building on the ashes of your life. Uh, as I was studying, uh, I was thinking, I am so glad that the God that I serve doesn't just show us the good side of men and women in the Bible. Aren't you glad for that? He doesn't show us their perfection. and The reason he doesn't is because they weren't perfect. God doesn't show us the blessings. He doesn't show us all the good things. He doesn't show us all the positive things and just leave it at that. God shows us The downright nasty and dirty, despicable, sinful, adulterous, fornication. I mean, you name it. Murders. He shows us the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think the reason that God did that is because He never meant for man to see a standard that was so high that when he thought about coming to God and being used by God and being a servant in the kingdom of God, that it was a life, a godly life, that was, it was just unattainable to be able to reach that level. So today I want to tell you, if you're an ordinary person, thank God it gives us hope. For ordinary people like myself and you, that God will use people who are flawed. God will use people who have failed. So don't allow the enemy to try to tell you that you're not good enough To be used by God in his kingdom. I promise you that is a lie straight from the pit itself. God all throughout the Bible has used men and women that had flaws. But were willing to ask for forgiveness. And they went on to do mighty things for God. David of course is one of those guys you could preach. I could take a year and just preach sermons and series and thoughts on David. Because there are so many stories that are linked to his life. The story I go to today is on a mountain called Mount Moriah. It is on this mountain that he had been through the wind. He had been through the bashing. He had been through the beating. I'll call it he had been through the breaking point in his life on top of this mountain. Now the scene that we see today on top of this mountain is only ashes. Burnt ashes are laying all around the top of Mount Moriah. But these are good ashes Because the ashes that David is looking at, they have a great representation, they have a great meaning. It is something in his life. See, what are the ashes that we are referring to today? The ashes represent our testimony of what we have been through. Does anybody have any ashes in the building today? It is a story that only maybe you can really tell and tell it good enough that we can really get the gist and the the passion behind it when you tell us of where God brought you from and what God did in your life. We have David here on top of Mount Moriah and there's ashes. Ashes represent those people that came into your life and they left you. And let me tell you, there are going to be people, whether you like it or not, That they're going to be ashes because they're going to come into your life. They're going to be only a memory. And I'll tell you this. Everybody is not meant to stay with you the whole way to where God's taking you. There's some people that God is going to cut off from your life. There are some people that may even be your friends that God's going to say enough of that. Because instead of making you sore, they're pulling you down. And they're weighing you down from reaching your full potential. And so sometimes even the relationships in the past become... Ashes to us Ashes represent maybe the business that didn't go as we planned The ashes represent the circumstances The adversities that maybe we go through When we think about them They still bring a tear to our eyes And when we begin to pray We pray in the spirit And we get in this tender place Because that moment in our life Was something that was so special It's a tender place in our life I have those those places in my life. Do you? I have those places in my life. I could tell you the story. I could take you to them and, and, and it would literally bring a tear to my eye because I remember what happened at that place. I remember the pain that I went through. I remember when God broke through for me and all of a sudden in the middle of feeling like I might as well give up. In the middle, I feel like I'm going to lose this battle. When I've counted the cost and I've looked in front of me, beside me, behind me, I've looked everywhere that I know to look and there's no way out. But God broke through that place, my God Almighty. And when He did, He did something in my life today. It is only ashes; it is a past memory of where I have been. But I thank God for those moments in my life. And there's some of you here today that, if you would be honest, there's some places in your heart too. Maybe, maybe if you're getting a little hard towards God and you you want to feel that 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 burning desire to be closer to Him, perhaps you need to go back to some of the ashes. Perhaps you need to go back to some of the memories. Maybe you need to go back to an old story and let it reignite a flame in your heart again. Do you have those places in your life? Because often we don't want to go back to those places. David in reality didn't like what Mount Moriah represented. As I'm going to show you the story here in a moment, I'm going to walk you through it. It's a powerful story. But when he goes here, it is a place of loss. It is a place for David, a place of sin. It is a place of brokenness. And there's some of you that you can go back to a place that maybe, maybe you lost a loved one in your life and you still haven't fully recovered from that. It is the ashes like that. The ashes are what you have left after you have been through what we'll call hell on earth. You have been through things, but do not throw away the ashes. Because the God that we serve has a way of taking the ashes And using them in our life to do something mighty through his powerful name Understand with me, it's the moment that Joseph is locked up in prison And he's trying to figure out why And his brothers finally get back to him And there's a a reuniting between he and his brothers and, And he looks at them and says, what you meant for evil What you meant for bad God has turned it to good What is he referring to? The ashes of yesterday He is talking about the pain of when they threw Him in a pit. But here I am today. God can take the ashes in your life. And He can turn it into a beautiful thing. Can somebody say amen? Now understand with me, we cannot get rid of them. We don't want to get rid of them. So all you have left, David, on the top of a hill on Mount Moriah is a bunch of ashes. And even if the world laughs at him, and even... If they make fun of it, God says, I'm going to take those ashes. See, I said it the other week, I'll say it again, that God will never waste your pain. There is nothing you will ever go through that God will waste. He's going to use it somewhere down to the line to bring you through another storm or to help you make it through another storm. Never throw away these now, now I want you to understand there's a time in the nation of Israel, and I can't read the whole, whole text. It would take too long. But David had greatly sinned against God. Now, when I say the great sin of David, the first thing that you think of is what? Bathsheba, right? You're thinking when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. You're thinking about when he killed Uriah. You're thinking about when he lied to the prophet. I mean, you're thinking about this and you think, oh, that's the greatest sin. You're thinking about Psalm 51, where it says, Lord, I've sinned. Create in me a clean heart, a new spirit, or a right spirit within me. Change who I've become. And you may think that, and all that's true. But there is one sin that David committed that had even greater ramifications than the adultery of Bathsheba. Does anybody remember what that is? I, I've got, I've got some, I've, I saw hands go up like this. I know exactly where I'm going this morning. I'm glad you do. So David committed this great sin when he ordered what we'll call a census. Or to make it simpler in layman's terms, it is the numbering of Israel. Now look at 1 Chronicles 21 this morning. The Bible said that Satan rose up against Israel and caused David. (laughs) Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. The devil is like an angel of light. He can disguise himself to make you think, oh, this is an angel of God. I mean, listen, he he fooled Adam and Eve. They're perfect, right? So if he can fool them, don't you think he can fool us if we're not really prayed up and consecrated like we should be to God? I mean, he can trick us too. And so he comes and says, Satan rose up against David. He tries to convince him this is the right thing to do, to take a census of the people of Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the army, go ahead, you take that census from Beersheba to Dan. And bring me a report so I may know, here's the key words, how many there are. The purpose of the census is to get the population now, the real thing that David wants to know in this census is, and I, I want to show you that, that, that even after pleas, his chief advisors, and these are not sources that he cannot trust. These are people that David has went years with. They have been his counselors for years. And they come to David and say, David, you're doing the wrong thing. You shouldn't have this census. It's wrong. God said, no. But he said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do it anyhow. So not only does, does he go against what God said, he went against what his chief advisors in his life, they knew God strictly forbade this practice, but he overrules it anyhow. The Bible said that God commanded David not to number Israel. David thought, if I know how many people I have, then I won't have to be so fearful of my enemies. Do you understand what the census represents? It represents a nasty word called doubt. If you have faith in God, then who cares how many you got? If God is for us, who can be against us? So this is a moment in David's life who's a man of faith, but he had a a moment of doubt. He had a weak spot in him, and he began to doubt. it. Now now listen, folks. I I know we want to try to throw him under the bus, but let me just go ahead and tell you. I mean, don't, if anybody's got to, uh, to, to watch their back, don't you think it's David? I mean, this is the guy that Saul has been hunting him down for years. I mean, this is the guy that is eating supper one night. I mean, you just think about it. And a devil rises up in Saul, and he's like, hey, throw me my spear. Give me a spear. And David knows where it's coming. He's trying to throw it at him. And the Bible said he slung it at David, tried to kill him at supper and it stabbed into the wall but it missed david so if anybody's got a right to be worried about his enemies it's david because he's always been attacked you ever you ever felt like you're that person that it don't matter what you do what you say somebody's going to attack you That's exactly where David, so in his defense, he he kind of wants to know because he gets a little fearful and thinks, if I have enough men to fight in the army, everything's going to be all right. but what he needed to understand was that God had anointed him from the beginning and the anointing of God and the Holy Ghost was still on his life and as long as he had God, right? That's all he needed. Watch this. So there's, there's two things about numbers that we have to keep in mind. Number one, we are never to worship numbers. You know, as a pastor, we 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 I often, uh, if you you know, churches is unique. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It is. I mean, you got folks that it don't matter. Come hell and high water. Sometimes we cancel church for your safety. And when I say that, I really mean that. Y'all think, oh, you know want. No, I mean that. Because we've got people in this church, if there's a foot of snow and a little ice on the road and they've got four-wheel drive, they're going to try to make it. And so when I say stuff like that, I'm really being real. Because you got people in church, they're like, if the doors are open, bless God, kind of like my mama taught me, if the doors are open, you show up. And you be there. You don't just go... Because you're religious, you don't just go through the motion. When you get there, you show up and you worship God like you mean it, boy. That, that's the kind of church I was raised in. And so, and, but, but then we have fluctuation. You know, I, sometimes I hate numbers. I hate them with a passion sometimes, but I like gauging. I'm a numbers guy because the numbers don't lie. And I do enjoy knowing, oh, we broke a record today, man. Hey, it's so good, man. We had more people this week than we did last week, man. God's moving. Oh, and, and, but, 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 but when you get focused on that, let me tell you something. The way church is today, you can go one week, you have 200 people show up. The next week, you have 120. Now, as a pastor, And I understand we're busy, we go on vacations, all this kind of stuff. I understand there's reasons we're sick. There's reasons we can't make it to church. Some of you have to work, you have a job. You can't just go in and say, hey boss man, I'm quitting. And expect God to take care of your needs. I mean, you got to take care of your family, right? So I'm not trying to say there's not legitimate reasons not to show up. But what I'm telling you is, as a pastor, when I see that, I say to myself, oh my gosh, where in the world can 80 people be? You know what's amazing about God? Some of the best services I have ever been in was when just a few people showed up to worship God. It wasn't the biggest Sunday we had had. It was not because there was a packed house. It was because a group of people came together and they were all in one mind and in one accord. They came for one purpose, and that was to worship Jesus Christ. And we cannot worship the number because the numbers will fail us. They're going to fluctuate. That's why whenever you read about Gideon, he had 32,000 men running around ready to fight. And God said, you're worshiping the numbers too much. What you mean? I'm going to win the battle. And God said, not with 32,000 you're not. And he gives him this series of things to do like lapping water, like a dog or drinking out of their hand until he minimizes his, his army all the way down to 300. Zero, zero. From 32,000 to 300 men that are left to fight. And Gideon's like freaking out because he's saying, my God, look at the numbers. I mean, we're going down. The ship's going to sink. And God said, now you're ready to fight. And with 300 men, God brought the greatest victory that Gideon would ever see. David focused on the numbers too much. Doubt got in his heart the second thing. So number one, we're never to worship numbers. Number two, we are never to allow numbers to worship us. Even the angels... Even the angels, listen to me, when they appeared in the book of Revelation and John falls at their feet, they say, wait a minute, get up. What are you doing? You don't worship me, just worship him. That sits on the throne. So even angelic beings. When the numbers tried to fall down. And worship them. They said wait a minute. It is not about me. It is about God. Listen to me. I'm telling you there's some people. That we have developed this thing. Where we've got these celebrity leaders. And, and we've and when somebody gets a sphere of influence. Which brings about a sense of power, right? And what they say may mean more and you may think that way. But at the end of the day, God never wanted the numbers to worship us. And if God has given you a platform And if God has given you a voice And if God has given you a sphere of influence What you need to do with that is just like John He said I must decrease So that he might increase We must never get to the point That we allow numbers to worship us If God raises us up We must always be careful That we give the glory to God It is God that did it through me It is God that allowed me to be able to it do that and then we point people to Jesus Christ who is the giver of all things and he's the giver of our salvation it's a giver of the anointing that we possess to so God be the glory So we, we have to be careful we don't worship the numbers and David has to be careful that he doesn't take a victory because of the numbers and say look at what I did for Israel praise me And so he's in this peculiar place where God is really breaking him down. So back to the sin of numbering Israel. So God hears about the numbering. He gets angry. According to the Bible, it straight out says he got angry. Now God did not want David trusting in the numbers. So guess what God started doing? He started killing the numbers. I mean, I think this speaks to us. Because even as church, sometimes we get so focused on number, number, number. That maybe God does kill the numbers just to get us back focused on why we're here to begin with. And We're here to worship Jesus. And where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the middle of them. Right in the midst of them. And so here we have David that, that God says, I'm going to start killing you numbers. Thousands of a plague like a death angel swept through his army thousands started. They started dropping off like flies. Seventy thousand. Everybody still here? Seven zero K. Seventy thousand soldiers died. Now with Bathsheba's sin that we talked about in the beginning, sure, there was other consequences and there was people that lost their lives but it was only one. And that was the poor innocent baby. Because the Bible said David begged God after the sin and said whatever you do don't let the baby die. He fasted. He would not eat. He would not sleep. He would, they brought him food. They brought him water. You've got to hydrate. And he said, I'm not having it. God's got to save the baby. And he prays and he begs God, but God took the baby. It is actually because of the sin of adultery, is why the baby died. See, there are some sins that God tries everything he can to help us to avoid them, because the sins that we are about to commit it will not only affect us, it will affect innocent victims around us because of our deliberate disobedience. Seventy thousand people died. There's hurting parents. There's hurting children because daddy didn't come home. There's a hurting wife because her husband is no longer there to protect her. There's a daddy and mama that outlive their child and they're wondering, Why God? Why would you allow my boy to die and I'm still living? And it's all because of the numbering of Israel. Now, some of you know what it is for God to smite the thing that you put your faith in. Whether it's your own pride, confidence, self-confidence, whether it's your money, whether it's the things that you have. There's times that God has to smite that thing and take it away to get us to walk him back in faith to let us know that we still need him. Just when we think we're secure. Just when we think we've got everything figured out. and Our life is perfect. God starts shaking up things to remind us that we have to rely on Him. See, the question is, are you prepared if you do something against what God says? Are you prepared to watch other people suffer for your sin? I'm not willing to do that. Are you? David knew that he was supposed to rely on God. And not his own strength or in the strength of his armies. A matter of fact, I was reading just the other day. Where David wrote, he wrote this, he said, some will trust in their chariots. Y'all remember reading this verse? He said, some trust in chariots and armies, but I will trust in the name of the Lord. So here goes David. He knows that his strength is not in the army. His strength is in his reliance on a God that is greater than anything and everything that I would ever go through. So anyhow he hasn't counted in any way he incurs the anger and the wrath of a jealous God. Sometimes God wants us walking on nothing but a promise. He says you do not need everything that you necessarily think you need. Maybe you have me and that's enough. Does anybody remember those days when you had Jesus and that was enough? Does anybody remember those days when you weren't as, as, as wealthy as you are now. But you had Jesus and you were still happy. You didn't have as much stuff But you weren't as stressed out as you are right now I mean but you had Jesus My God I'm telling you I wish to God that we would get back to the day I think it would make a difference in the church world I think it would send the revival all the way in our county If we would just get in the mode that you know what All I need is Jesus Christ This other stuff Thank you for it Lord It's a blessing I appreciate it But more than that I long for your presence I long to be in your spirit I long to have church Tears falling again on the altar. I want you to touch me and change me. Oh. So here we are. God has a way of pointing these things out. God, God came to David when he numbered Israel and He gave him three alternatives, and I won't go through all those. He told David, and we studied this on our Wednesday night one one Wednesday, where he gave him the three alternatives, and he finally just said, Let me fall into the hands of the Lord, and you decide. And God killed 70,000 men in his army. And more would have died. But as the angel was going through, God said, well, hold your hand. And it's all because of what I'm about to tell you happened on Mount Moriah. That God said, stop it. And stop it now. It came from a place of ashes. i got to hurry. So the altar on the threshing floor. So God sends David to a threshing floor. This is the place where you bash the wheat. You throw it up in the air, literally. And you let the wind blow through it and it blows away the chaff. So God takes him to this room, to this threshing floor, to show him that is exactly what I'm doing to the wheat is what I'm about to do to you. I am going to beat you. I am going to break you. I am going to crush you. For your sin. You're going to pay for it. But then I am going to throw you up in the air. And the wind of my spirit is going to blow through. And when the wind blows through. It is going to take away all the stuff that has not been ordained by me. So that that which I desire is going to fall back down on that floor. Understand with me. What God was doing was taking out the chaff taking out the nasty stuff taking out the pride taking out the selfishness taking out the the self-reliance and God said my spirit's going to convict you I'm telling you it's not always fun when God takes you through a threshing floor and starts beating and pounding away at your life and then throws you up in the wind and says "All right, let's get rid of all the bad stuff let's get rid of what we don't need but when you come down on the floor everything, the best person you've ever been The anointing, the most anointing you've ever had. It's laying on the floor, and that's exactly what God wanted to do. So, today, some have been through the windstorm. Give me more floor. Some have been through the windstorm where the wind was blowing, and the enemy seemed to be pounding and bashing and hitting you from every direction. But understand that God is always with you at this threshing floor. You are never beaten, you are never bruised, you are never going through anything that God is not standing right there beside you and you will come out stronger because David left... Changed, David. I man, I'm. I wish I want God to do it to me. I want to have a Holy Ghost move in my spirit. I want the wind of God to blow through my life, and I want everything that I shouldn't have. I want it gone, God, and I want it gone now because I can't see clearly as long as the chaff is in me. I can't see clearly if I don't have faith and reliance on God. And I've been trusting in my own self. I cannot see vision clearly if I have doubt in my life. The so Holy Spirit, would you? convict me and blow through me and take it all out of me that's exactly what God did for David in the Old Testament there are eight words that are used for the word wilderness and I found this interesting but one of the words in the Old Testament for for the wilderness it means to speak in other words God says this I am going to take you to the wilderness. And one of the purposes that you're going to go through the wilderness is so I can speak to you. That is a powerful concept. We always think God's going to speak to us during a revival. We think that God's got to speak to us when the Holy Ghost is so strong we can't hardly stand it. That's not the case. Sometimes God takes you through a place of ashes and past memories and past mistakes and past failures so that He can whisper in your ear some things. He has been wanting to tell you He does it in the wilderness. Understand with me that God spoke to Moses where? In the wilderness from a burning bush. It was in the wilderness for the Apostle Paul. And I quote, he said, I have conferred with no man. Meaning that I have not exchanged opinions with no man. I think that's our problem sometimes, is we exchange opinions with everybody but God. And if you exchange opinions with me, I'm going to tell you what I think is logical for you to do. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm telling you what God wants you to do. So Paul said, I conferred with no man. He said, but I had a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ after three and a half years in the Arabian desert. God will speak to you. If you will listen for His voice, you will hear it. When you're going through the sifting, it may be tough, but don't give up. Do not quit. Lord, whatever you're trying to say to me, I'm listening. So here David is in this place. He's got him an altar and God says, or got him a threshing floor. And God said, I want you to go in the middle of this threshing floor. And I want you to build, what? An altar. I would, you know, I get so sick of the fact that people think we have to have some great revelation from God to have a move of God. All we need to do is build an altar, folks. It's that simple. I mean, we complicate it, overcomplicate it. You know, used to, I was thinking about it yesterday. Used to, it was pray, read your Bible, and fast. That was it. That that. We didn't complicate it. We said to every believer, if you'll learn to pray, build an altar. If you'll learn to read your Bible. And if you'll learn to fast and sacrifice, God will bring you through anything. You can walk out with anointing. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. But God said to David, He said, I want you to build this altar on the threshing floor. In the place of breaking, crushing, in the place of wind blowing. In the place of adversity. I want you to build an altar in your place of crisis. God needs somebody that will do that in this generation. He needs somebody that will build an altar. Not running to other people, even though that may be good at times. But you need to build an altar in the middle of your crisis and talk to God. And when you build an altar, this is what David found. When you build an altar, the fire will fall. I'm going to get a swallow of water because y'all are looking at me like you're dead today. And I deserve it When you build an altar, the fire of God is going to fall on that altar. And I'll tell you, if y'all say amen every now and then, it'll help me preach better. So if you don't like the way I'm preaching, you don't say amen, I don't want to hear it. Bless God, hallelujah. Give a preacher an amen every now and then, my Lord. I mean, I bring it as hard as I can. I at least deserve one amen every now and then. Well, I'm tired. Well, wake up, Hallelujah. You're alive, you're well, thank God for it. You could be dying today. I my Lord, have mercy. That's all right. Y'all jump in my place and let me sit in your place. You'll see what I'm talking about. First Chronicles 21, 26. Y'all know me, I just say it like I feel it, and I can't help it. David built an altar there before the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. Watch this. And when David prayed, the Lord answered him by sending fire from heaven to burn up the offering. That was on the altar. Now. I've been camping a few times. I've built, all, I've built some campfires. I didn't call them altars. But David goes and he gets a sacrifice. He puts it on there. The fire falls. And after the fire burns it. What do you think's left? It's only a bunch of ashes. Come on to the piano Sandra. I'm going to close. So as soon as he built the altar. He puts the offering on the altar. The fire came. And I felt like God wanted me to tell somebody today that if you will be willing to build the altar, the fire is going to come on you too. I felt like God wanted me to tell somebody today that if you will build this altar, that God is going to let the fire come on those that have been crying, on those that have been hurting, on those that have been through storms, on those that have been in the place of beating and pressed down. God says that He's going to bring it. If you simply hold on a little longer, The fire is coming. The fire maybe you have longed for. The fire that you have been believing God for is going to come. And it's going to consume the situation. The Holy Ghost is on the way. If you are willing to build an altar, the Holy Ghost is on the way. Now, if you're not willing to build the altar, then you might as well forget about it. But if you're willing to build the altar like David did, the fire is going to fall. Sickness is consumed when the fire falls. All of those things that we've been going through, anxiety, it is consumed. Stress is consumed. Our failures are consumed. When the fire begins to fall, it is as if God is declaring war on the enemy. And saying, I'm going to use the heartache, the pain, the tears, and and the ashes. And I am what you've gone through. I'm going to use it to afflict the enemy. I really believe you cannot sing under a strong anointing or preach under a strong or heavy anointing until you've had some, some ash in your life. And David goes back to this place of ashes. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 3 and 1. I'm going to show you this. So Solomon, and I know I didn't say David, but Solomon is David's son. So Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. Where did he build it, Brian? He built it on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David his father. The temple. Oh God, boy, I wish y'all were getting this today. Oh, my God, help me, Jesus. Please help me, Holy Ghost. I need it right now. The temple. The temple was built on the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite, the site that David had what? He had selected He went back to the place of ashes. And the same place, even though David may not get to see it, the same place when he died, he knew that the same place that he had been broken, the place that represented his pain, the place where Solomon would build the temple, it represents the darkest moment of David's life. He began to build the house of the Lord. And then the cloud was going to fill that house. It is in the place that David had prepared in the time of his threshing floor. Of Ornan, all that's where the ashes is. It is where the pain is. But now there's a temple, and the temple is full of glory. It's not just a church house. It's not just a place where they meet and let's you know have our service and go home. It is a place where truly the glory of God filled the house. We worship Him in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our hurt, in the middle of what we've been through, in the middle of crisis, when there's nothing left except a memory of what you have been through and it hurts. God says, if you'll allow me, I'm going to take that broken place and I'm going to reflect my glory from it. I'm, I'm going to bring to me what, what remains through the purging and cleansing and I'm going to bring some victory out of it. Second Chronicles 7, here we go. David's dead, gone. He's not around for this. But when Solomon had finished praying, what happened? Fire flashed down from heaven and burnt up the offering and the sacrifice. Now not only does David have ashes, but there's a memory for Solomon during his hard time that he could look back on the same floor that daddy prayed at the same floor that that David had walked on and saw the ashes scattered around and Solomon all of a sudden the burnt offering the ashes are there and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple the priest could not enter verse 2 the priest could not enter into the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord can you even imagine that? I mean can you even imagine coming to church next Sunday, and y'all get ready to walk up in the church and you know What in the world's going on? People call the fire department, they see smoke, they think the place is on fire. Nobody would dare enter in just to find that it's not fire. <laughs> Not worldly fire, but the glory of God, the Holy Ghost fire has filled the temple. And the priests are trying to go in because they've got to offer more sacrifice. There's got to be a few more ashes. And they're going in to do it, but but they can't even get in. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down. And they saw the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple. What did they do? They fell down on their faces on the ground and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good, his faithful love, it endures forever. Wouldn't it be great? If God would send the fire in the temple, so much so that everybody would see the fire falling down. And even though Daddy had the cry, and even though daddy sinned, God said, David, you repented, you put an altar down, you prayed. I consumed it. I accepted it. And now your son is going to build on your ashes. Your ashes aren't always bad, folks. Uh, God's going to build something great right over the top of a hill Amen. full of ashes. Amen. Let's all stand. i got to close. Father, thank you, Holy Ghost. Grab a, Grab a mic, Beth, if you would, sister. God, touch our hearts today. There's ashes. There's ashes here today. There's people that have been through some things and all they see is the ashes. All they see is the remnants of what's left behind of their brokenness. All they see is moments of hurt, moments of pain. Things that they have done that not only hurt them, maybe even hurt their families, their friends, those around them. Let them build an altar right now and Some of them already have And they've built an altar And Father I'm asking you to let the fire fall right now where they are And I'm asking you to show them Just like you showed David That you can take the ashes And you can do something great with my life You can build on the ashes of my life You can do something great In Jesus name I'm going to let them sing The altar is open if you want to pray Sing
1: it
3: who the sun sets free. Is
1: free
3: You're free indeed. I'm a child
1: of God. Yes, sir.
3: Time. Yes. It's free. free oh, you're free indeed. I'm, I'm a child. child of God. God. Yes, I am. Father, today I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you're able to do all things. Take our ashes, take our past experiences, take our pain, and show us you're about to build something great right on top of that mountain. Just like you did for David. Satan will use the ashes and he will try to discourage us. He'll try to tempt us. He'll try to cause us to turn aside. But, Father, I'm asking you to let us quit looking at ashes as a bad thing. And I'm asking you to help us to look at it as a good thing. Where you brought us from, what you've done for us. Let's just keep building altars on top of the ashes until the fire of God falls and consumes and something great is built from the ashes. We thank you, Lord, for your word today. May we receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen, church. Somebody say amen.